What is going on everyone and welcome back to the CHB podcast. It has been a very long time since I of course done one of these like type of podcasts and I've decided to you know actually kind of convert my 2021 complete NBA mock draft lottery and put it into the audio slash podcast form. Of course the original is up on YouTube with all the background footage and music and all of that type of stuff which you can check out in the link in the description down below if you guys are watching this on YouTube. But I actually did have some extra, you know, audio clips that I decided not to use in the original mock draft because I thought it would have gone, you know, too long. And again, I've decided to actually put them here into, of course, uh, this podcast. So if you guys haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if you guys, you know, are streaming this on YouTube, you can also stream it elsewhere, you know, on Spotify. Uh, which will be on there. Again, if you haven't already, please go and check out my 2021 NBA Mock Draft Lottery, the original one. We just got all the footage and the music. But of course, I just thought, you know, bringing this to the podcast form would be pretty interesting. Something I haven't done before with some extra, uh, you know, bonus audio, etc. So if you guys haven't already, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Leave a like and comment in the comment section down below. What do you guys thought about my, you know, podcast and what do you guys think about my official mock draft? But without further ado, here is my official 2021 NBA mock draft lottery. So I guess without further ado, let's get straight into it with the first pick. And the Houston Rockets in my mock draft are going to be, of course, selecting Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma. I think this is the most obvious choice for them you know, to go out and pick again, there has been reports that John Wall might have actually kind of requested a trade. Uh, someone put an in, uh, Instagram poll up pretty much saying, will John Wall leave or something like that? John Wall himself actually voted leave, which is extremely funny. But even if John Wall does stay on the team, I think there's just no way you can uh, go about not dra- drafting Cade Cunningham. He's a six foot eight point guard that can also guard the shooting guard position. He averages 20.1 points per game, 3.5 assists, and 6.2 rebounds. Some very, very quality stats. Again, his three-point percentage is also very good on 40%. The only issue in real, you know, in Cunningham's game that I actually see is the playmaking. Of course, 3.5 assists isn't exactly the greatest thing out there. But then when you see players like Darius Garland, who... Average like three assists in his college season. Now in his second season in the NBA, he's averaging six to seven assists per game. There is always improvement. And again, I could definitely see Kate Cunningham being one of those guys that will definitely average more assists as he does go, you know, in the NBA. So again, pick one for the Houston Rockets, Kate Cunningham. That is an absolutely obvious pick. Um, if John Wall does stay, they'll just play Cunningham at the two, make him guard the two. I know they're both ball-predominant guards, but again, they'll make it work, and John Wall would probably eventually get traded anyway. Yes, this is the very obvious decision by the Houston Rockets to draft K Cunningham with the first overall pick. At pick number two, I actually have the Detroit Pistons, and with them, it was a very, very weird one. Like, I honestly had a huge time struggling, you know, between who they should take, Jalen Green, or should they take Evan Mobley. At the end of the day, I've actually decided for them to take Evan Mobley. I think they do have relatively, you know, a couple of nice guards here and there. You know, Killian Hayes, who I think will be the future point guard. I still think they need to give him the go. Dennis Smith Jr., who I think will be back on this team, should get some nice minutes with them, you know, potentially as well. 
Josh Jackson, who's kind of been playing a little bit of that shooting guard, small forward role. I think he'll play a bit more shooting guard next season. You know, uh, he is still kind of there as well. And then, you know, Frank Jackson, who's been getting a bit more minutes on the team as well. He's there. They seem to have enough guards. But when we look at their center position right now, they've got Mason Plumley, who it is highly reported will most likely be getting traded very, very soon. You know, he actually had a decent season where he improved his trade value. They've got Isaiah Stewart, but Isaiah Stewart's kind of that, you know, smaller six foot nine type of center who I think would personally be best to maybe potentially come off the bench. I actually think he would kind of be that nice type of bench player. They've, of course, got Jalil Okafor as well, and I don't think will be coming back uh, next season. And then I think, again, you bring in Evan Mobley, and he comes in, and he will start at center for you. And I think it makes the most amount of sense for him to do so. I think, again, Stewart coming off the bench is still kind of how I think it should most likely be. He seems to be like that high, intense scorer coming off the bench, and I think that... Yeah, like a Tristan Thompson type of dude. I do think in the long run that would make a lot of sense. Not just that, Evan Mobley, he's way too good to pass up. I know Jalen Green is pretty good, but Evan Mobley's just really once in a lifetime, probably center that you can maybe get. You know, James Wiseman was cool and all in the previous draft, but I think that Evan Mobley kind of comes in and he will he will do well. The thing that he has that Wiseman kind of doesn't have is that, of course, expertise you know, kind of shooting. Mobley seems to be a great three-point shooter in the draft. He has a very nice mid-range. He's also an excellent shot blocker. Like, he is also a very good shot blocker, very good defender. He can really do everything. Whereas, so I look at, like, you know, James Wiseman, who was in that previous draft. I think he has a lot of inconsistencies when it does come to shooting. But again, when we look at Mobley, he's got outstanding stats. He is... 16.4 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, 2.4 assists on 58% field goal. He is a 7-foot dude that can literally guard the power forward and center position. Again, I think in the NBA, he would probably be more suited to center. He averages 3 blocks per game, which is insane, and 30% from 3, which he is rapidly improving. I could definitely see him being like a 40% type of dude from 3 eventually. And then... Uh, again, you just kind of inject him into the team, have Jeremy Grant as like your starting power forward, Sadiq Bay as your starting small forward, maybe like a Josh Jackson at shooting guard, and Killian A as that point guard. It's looking like a really nice, like, young team. Like, that team could actually make some noise, especially if they go out and bring some of these vets back in free agency, depending if they're, you know, full on the tank or if they actually maybe want to make some noise when it does come to the potential playoffs. So, yeah, I do believe taking Evan Mobley at pick two should be the th should be the pick that the Detroit Pistons actually make here. And I think, of course, it does make the most amount of sense. Now, moving on to pick number three, I do have the Orlando Magic. And because Evan Mobley's off the board, who I think they will probably take if they win the lottery and get the second overall pick, I think you just got to go best available now. And that is Jalen Green. I don't necessarily know how much Jalen Green fits on this team, though, because Magic have some of the most guards, like, in the leg. They've got Terrence Ross, who's a wing, Cole Anthony, who's a guard, Markel Fultz, who is a guard as well, Gary Harris, who's a guard, Otto Porter Jr., who can also play shooting guard. He's, like, a wing, too. James Ennis, who's a wing. Uh, RJ Hampton, as well. Like, the amount of wing-slash-guards they have on this team is absolutely insane. 
I think they desperately need a center. I think Mobley would be great for them. But because he's gone, you probably just take best available. And I think that's Jalen Graham. What they'd probably do from there is, of course, move Terrence Ross in free agency. you got to trade him. Gary Harris, I think, will probably remain on the team. If I was them, I'd, you know, probably just ask if a team wants to buy it. You know, see if he can get a buyout. I think some team will look to get a player like him. So that'd be cool. I'd still bring back... You know, Michael Carter-Williams, I think he's all right for the team. I'd let Otto Porter Jr. go. I'd, of course, keep RJ Hampton. And then you bring in Jalen Gray, and he'll probably play quite a bit of small forward for the year, which is probably not his more natural position. It's probably shooting guard. But I, I still think that he would kind of go well on the team. It would be, it would make quite a bit of sense to still have him, especially considering he is still an absolute weapon offensively. Like... I know he's probably not as consistent as what Evan Mobley is, but his stats are still insane. And he's playing in the G League, so he's playing against professionals. So, again, that will have helped him intensively. We've seen that LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton were absolutely insane when they play in the NBL. You know, we've seen Josh Giddy, who's a prospect in this draft, play in the NBL. All of these guys are NBA ready, and that's why LaMelo and Hampton had such a good season, because they were so NBA ready by playing in the NBL. But we look at Jalen Green, he's averaging 17.9 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 2.8 assists. Uh, again, on literally 52%, from, or 53% rather, from the two-point shot, and 36.5% from three. Those are still really, really good numbers, in my opinion. So again, I, I think that it does still make a relatively decent amount of sense for them to go and get Jalen Green. I just think they would probably prefer going out and getting Evan Mobley. But again, with the third overall pick, I have the Orlando Magic selecting Jalen Green. Now that we get to the number fourth overall pick, things get a little bit weirder. You know, Oklahoma do have that fourth overall pick where, again, I know some people might be like, oh, who do they take? And then they're going to play SGA as that point guard. Will they do it? Will they not? I think, no, I think SGA will be moved to the shooting guard position. Uh, and I think they will go with Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. I think that is a, a very good move for them to potentially make. Of course, Jalen Suggs is a listed as a six foot four point guard. In my opinion, I think he possibly about six foot two, six foot three. I'm not too sure if he's actually six foot four. Usually players get marked down when they come into the NBA because I believe in college and that they get uh measured with their shoes on while in the NBA they have changed that and I don't think they get measured with their shoes on at all. Uh so I think that that's kind of how it works. Um but again Jalen Suggs has had a good season as well. He's averaging about 14.4 points per game, 5.3 rebounds on 4.5 assists. Again, he is very, very, like, raw, but I honestly believe with, again, his defense and his ability to guard the one and two, uh, again, he, he's only playing 29 minutes per game. So once that gets improved, I could see him maybe having a struggle potentially in his first, you know, season, but... I feel like he'll be one of those guys that gets better as the time goes. Of course, 33% from three isn't great. But I feel like he's just, he's the most raw, um, you know, out of anyone I've mentioned so far. But I definitely feel like over time, he will slightly improve. And I think if you're OKC, you've got to take that chance on him and see how he, you know, will potentially go. Um, but I think, yeah, again, a, a duo of Jalen Suggs and Shea Gildas-Alexander would be a very fun one to watch. And will be one that we could, you know, potentially see in the long term, maybe uh, go go pretty far in the NBA. 
And again, we'll definitely see, you know, he might ha struggle in his first season or something, but it, it is going to be a test to see how he can really go. Now, look, you could potentially look at a player like Jonathan Kaminga to potentially come in and play kind of like that small forward position. But with the way their team is right now, I actually do kind of prefer maybe seeing SGA move for that shooting guard. Of course, I still feel like he, you know, ha having a new small forward would actually be pretty cool. But I think you can go and find one of them in free agency uh, instead of going out there and drafting Jonathan Kaminga, who, don't get me wrong, he's a pretty cool player to actually draft as well. But... I think taking him at pick four might be a little bit high for OKC. If it was a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers who would need Kaminga for like that positional need, I think that would potentially be fine. But if you're a team like OKC, I think you take best available. And of course, in my previous selections, I actually had Cade go at one to the Houston Rockets. At number two, I actually had Evan Mobley go to the Orlando Magic. And at three, I had Jalen Green go to the Detroit Pistons, which, you know, again, pretty much does only leave Jalen Suggs now. And Suggs would be a very, very good player for this team. Again, he can fit in straight away to that point guard. He might have a struggle to the first season, but I still feel like he is a little bit more further ahead than Kaminga right now. Some people might say, well, he's 4.5 assists per game may be an issue, but if we look at, you know, even SGA, who only averaged, like, I believe, three assists or something in his first season of the NBA, this can very much improve, and Suggs, who knows, it could be you know, a teammate issue, like, we even see players like Darius Garland, who, he was averaging, like, less than three assists, I believe, in college, like, people did not think he was going to be a good playmaker at all, and now that he's come into the NBA in only second season, he's averaging about six to a seven assists per game. So I feel like Darius Garland is the perfect example of players can improve their playmaking. And look, Suggs might come in and he might only average you two to three assists per season. But considering you're on a very big rebuilding team, who I think will be giving a lot of these players a lot of time to improve, I think that... Suggs is definitely worthwhile developing. Look, in his first season, he might only play 26 to 28 minutes per game and get you two to three assists. But in his second season, he could see a you know, development period similar to Darius Garland where he might go up to you know a couple more assists and he'll probably get a lot more minutes per game as well. But again, you know, on the Kaminga topic, I feel like he's the other guy that they could look at. You know, They do need a small forward, it does look like. Um, probably more than what they need a point guard because they probably set on playing SGA right now at that point guard decision. But it's my personal opinion. I think SGA is better suited to play the two. Of course, they have Lou Dort playing that small four position. But to me, he's still a bit too small. Six foot three. I don't really think it's, you know, necessarily worth having Dort, you know, starting at that small forward uh, position. I feel like they should maybe go out and get a two-way, three-and-D type of uh, player at small forward and free agency. Not exactly too sure who they could go out and get, but I'm sure there are players out there. But uh, again, Dort has a lot of potential for all we know. You know, he averaged 14 points per game this season. Granted, like four of them were where SGA got injured, but I could see next season him averaging 14 points per game again and maybe even proving me wrong and starting at small forward. I just don't know. I, I think that if they don't take a point guard here, he'll probably start a shooting guard. SGA will remain a point guard. But if they do, he'll probably 
you know, again, maybe stay at that small forward spot unless they go out and get, you know, maybe that shooter. So who knows? Kaminga as well, if they draft him, then I'm sure Kaminga would probably come off the bench in his first season, but then eventually maybe start over Dort in the long run. But yes, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, I actually have them taking Jalen Suggs with the fourth overall pick. Now, moving on to the fifth pick right now, we actually have the Cleveland Cavaliers, who they're also in a very weird position. Um, I definitely you know, debated this pick for a long time, because honestly, as a Cavs fan myself, I, I have a feeling we've, we always fall down in the lottery. Like, we've fallen down quite a bit recently, you know, with the Colin Sexton pick, people were, you know, saying that we could potentially jump up. I, I'm pretty sure we just, you know, stayed the same at eight. Um, again, with da- with the Darius Garland pick, we were projected to have pick two. We dropped to pick five for Isaac Akura. We were supposed to have pick two. We dropped down to pick five. It was just lucky that the two players we got actually have seemed to be like the bright spots of the Cavs. Um, but again, I could see the Cavs falling down again this year, which absolutely pains me to say, and it is very, very frustrating, of course. But again... I do hold out hope. I hope that the Cavs can can get a good pick. But again, I feel like pick five to pick seven is the mark that they'll kind of be picking, um, you know, about. Again, if it drops down to, like, pick seven, then I'm really baffled on who they should pick. I think they, if it goes to, like, pick seven, I'd probably look at, like, a Scotty Barnes type of guy who, uh, again, is that small forward slash power forward hybrid. Like, he's going like Draymond Green. Plays power forward. Pretty nice defender. Um, I think he's a bit, bit, you know, a bit better shooter than what Draymond is. But he's also got that playmaking going for him. I feel like he's like him. But at pick five, I would definitely look at if you're not going to trade down, you could. Uh, they could also trade down and maybe try and get like a a Jay, you know, Jalen Johnson or a, a Scotty Barnes. But at pick five, you probably just take best available, which is Jonathan Kaminga, uh, out of the J League Unite team as well. Um, he is a, he is extremely raw. He is probably. One of the most raw players in this whole entire draft. Like, I mean, you know, he's played 13 games. He has played, um, you know, had 13 or uh, 33 minutes per game. He's averaging 16 points per game, which is really good. Seems to be a very good defender. I believe he's six foot eight, so he will most likely play power forward uh, slash small forward as well. Be like that forward type of guy. The issue I see with Jonathan Kaminga is... His three-point percentage, which is absolutely terrible. It is 25%. And if you watch this guy shoot, his jump shot is all over the place. Like, if you want to see a guy brick, you'll see Jonathan Kaminga. He has bricked a lot of shots. There has been a lot of air balls. It is going to take an extreme amount of time for him to get that right. And where the Cavs are right now, and their lack of shooting, like Isaac Okoro has been... A very rough shooter, even though he's been very good defensively. I feel like there is time, you know, again, Isaac Akura has improved so much more past the season. But Jonathan Kaminga is a lot more raw than what Isaac Akura was coming into this. He is 25% from three when I think Isaac Akura was about 30%. So you kind of look at it as, you're like, oh, well, what do you do as the Cavs? Because I don't believe Jalen Johnson is that good of a shooter either. And he guards like that shooting guard, small forward position, you know, the wing. But if you look at Scotty Barnes, who guards that power forward slash small forward as well, Scotty Barnes has been known to be, you know, not as good as a scorer as Kaminga, a better playmaker than what, um, you know, Kaminga is as well. But again, Scotty Barnes is that type of guy where he's also been inconsistent on the three-point percentage, only on 28%. But he could, he definitely looks like he has room to go and be like a 35% 
you know, from three shooters. So, it is really interesting. Is Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga? It will be a debate. Kaminga is a lot better than what Barnes is right now, in my opinion. But also, I feel like Barnes could be like that Draymond Green type of guy. While Kaminga, he's a really interesting one as well, because he'll probably guard that power forward position. But I feel like he might be more of that small forward, you know, position, considering he is six foot eight. I feel like if you want to guard power forward, you've got to be about, you know, maybe six foot nine, uh, to potentially six foot ten. Again, I think I think six foot nine is kind of the perfect height. And who knows if Kaminga gets scaled down to six foot seven, that is very concerning. He does look six foot eight though, so I'll give him that. It it will be really interesting considering it's in, considering it's the J League. I think they could be measured without shoes, similar to the NBA. So if he's six foot eight and he's good enough defensively, which it does look like he is then you'd think that the Cleveland Cavaliers would most likely look at taking Jonathan Kaminga in the draft. Alright, now moving on to the 6th overall pick. The Golden State Warriors actually have this pick from the D'Angelo Russell trade, where they traded D'Angelo Russell to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota traded back the first round pick, which is top 3 protected, so if it does fall in the top 3 in the lottery, of course Minnesota will get to keep the pick, but of course there is a much more likely chance that that does not happen than it actually does. So, projected right now, the Warriors do have the 6th pick, and they are in a very interesting spot. Uh, there's a couple of ways I could see them going about this. For example... If they don't bring back Kali Oubre, they will most likely go out and get like a Jalen Johnson type of guy just because he can guard, you know, the one through four. It does seem to be, seems to be a very, very capable defender. He has the height to go with that as well. But honestly, I do believe the Golden State Warriors will most likely be keeping their pick. So, unless they, of course, go and you know, trade it for a style, something like that. And then I also do believe that the Golden State Warriors will most likely be keeping Kali Oubre as well, especially if they can get him on cheap. So pretty much at this point, I've kind of kind of gone for the only option, which is I see taking best available. And in my opinion, I'd probably say that Keon Johnson might be the next best available. So I've actually got the Golden State Warriors taking Keon Johnson uh, with the sixth overall pick in the 2021 uh, NBA draft, of course. He has some pretty interesting stats in terms of he's not exactly a high scorer or anything like that. Like, he scores 11.3 points per game. Uh, he has 3.5 rebounds and 2.5 assists. So you might be like, well, his stats aren't exactly great. How is he going to go this high in the draft? And that's just because of the raw potential this guy does have. Of course, he is actually listed at 196 centimeters or six foot five and is very much accustomed to guarding one through three. He is an excellent defender and he can literally, you can give him the job of going to the best defender, you know, the best uh, point guard rather on the team and he will lock up that guy. Like, let's just say you're playing the Trailblazers and you wanted to go on Damian Lillard. Of course, he might not be able to do it in his first season because of the lack of experience, but this guy does have potential to be a very, very good, you know, defender in the league. A guy that I think he's kind of similar to is a shorter version of Isaac Okoro from the, you know, the last draft. Isaac Okoro, who got drafted the Cleveland Cavaliers at pick five, he can guard one through three. Well, I think Keon Johnson is a little bit smaller, but he's definitely got the length, and he does have the potential as well to, 
you know, go into a much better scorer on the time as well. Again, he's averaging that 11 points per game with terrible three-point percentage on like 28%. But there does look to be a lot more room to improve, and he is a, a relatively raw guy in this draft. But the thing is, his defense is outstanding. There is some debate on who the best defender in this draft class is. In my opinion, it actually could be him. And I think that, you know, he has very similar stats to Isaac Okoro. Um, you know, what Isaac Okoro had in college as well. Again, Isaac Okoro managed to go, you know, pick five. And in his first season with the Cavs, you saw every game as he progressed, he started to get way better offensively. And I have a feeling Keon Johnson will be a very similar, you know, type of play. He's only 19 years of age. So when he comes in the NBA, he might struggle in his first, you know, season or two. But again, I think the Warriors who will have Clay Thompson coming back, who uh, again will be coming back from the really bad couple of injuries he's had. And then I, I think, you know, they might bring back Kent Bazemore. But on the guard depth, I don't really like their depth, you know, in terms of guard as well. You know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson will be there. I pray Curry and Clay don't get injured, you know, especially for Warriors fans. Um, and again, you've got Kent Bazemore as well, who will probably play a bit of small fault. But other than that, you don't really have anyone else. Jordan Poole's expected to be getting traded uh, in a package to potentially get like a star player, which has been, you know, highly rumored. And then there's like no guards at all <laughs> that the Warriors really have. So I think improving their guard depth and getting a dude like Keon Johnson would actually be a, a pretty nice situation for them to potentially, you know, go down that direction. And of course, in my opinion, he's probably best available. There is a lot of room for him to improve. Uh, he's very raw, but I definitely think he has the capability to do that. And learning behind one of the best perimeter defenders in Clay Thompson, wow, this guy could be an absolute freak. But of course, moving on now to the seventh overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft, we've also got the Toronto Raptors, who... I was looking at a couple things as well on who they should potentially pick. I looked at positional needs, best available, all that type of stuff. And the end result I've kind of come up with is Davion Mitchell, who I think they should definitely take at pick seven. He actually kind of reminds me of like a Kyle Lowry type player. And the reason I've actually got them taking another guard is because I think he is one of the best available. But not just that, Kyle Lowry, who is 35 years of age, is definitely up there in age now. And it is reported he will most likely be leaving this season to go to a more contending team like Philadelphia or Miami, etc. So I don't think he will be resigning, which means you could, you know, go and roll Fred Van Vliet at, you know, the uh, point guard, which is highly rumored that they will do, and they might look to take a shooting guard. But the thing that I kind of liked is I thought Damian Mitchell, who is six foot two. He's one of those guys that is another very, very good perimeter defender, just like Keon Johnson. These two are, you know, again, two of the best defenders in the draft class. The difference between Davion Mitchell is he's a little bit less raw. He averages about 14 points per game and is a bit of a better playmaker on 5.5 assists. And he is a great shooter on 45% from three. So again, you know, you might be like, well, why would the Golden State Warriors potentially look to take Keon Johnson over Davion Mitchell. And that's just because Davion Mitchell is actually 22 years of age. He is actually up there in age. And um, again, those 14 and 5.5 assists and whatnot are very good numbers. But you got to think that this dude's got three years of experience more 
on Keon Johnson. They're both probably equal in terms of defense. Uh, the thing is, the reason why I think Keon Johnson will go higher is just because he's three years younger. He is a, a lot more raw, um, but again, I think has potential to be one of the best players potentially in this class. It will just really come down to it. While Davion Mitchell, I think, would actually be really nice for the Raptors as well, as he, you can actually put him alongside uh, Fred Van Vliet and kind of see how that will, of course, go. You know, six foot two, very good perimeter defender, can play make, but can also play off ball, hitting 45% from three. He is 22 years of age, and I think that if the Raptors want to make a bounce back and get to the playoffs very quick, I think he'll be able to, you know, potentially help out and actually come along with that. So I, I think that is definitely who the Toronto Raptors uh, should potentially look to take. Of course, if Davion Mitchell goes to the Warriors, you know, maybe they're looking to get more of a ready NBA player, which I don't know if they would be because they took James Wiseman knowing he wouldn't be a ready NBA player. So I think they would kind of go with Keon Johnson, but if not, then Warriors would go with Davion Mitchell and the Raptors would get Keon Johnson. So they'd probably be like swapped around. But I, I think I really do like these selections here. And I definitely think, yeah, the Toronto Raptors should select Davion Mitchell at pick number seven. Now, moving on to the New Orleans Pelicans, you have the pick number eight. Had a very, very disappointing uh, season. I actually have them selecting Corey Kispert. Now, I know that some people have him at about 10 to 12. I've actually decided to take him a little bit higher here and get him at eight, just because I think he really does fit the New Orleans Pelicans and their positional needs. He is scoring 18.6 points per game on five rebounds. But the thing which is the best thing about him is he's actually lethal from three. He is 44% from three, which is absolutely insane. The only negative about him, again, is he is 22 years of age. So he's not like extremely young or anything like that. But again, I think for the Pelicans, I don't think they're really worrying about that. It is clear that they desperately need a three-point shooter to come into this starting lineup because... Having a starting lineup where really the only good shooter, you know, efficiently you got is Brandon Ingram, that's pretty crazy. Of course, yeah, they've got Lonzo Ball, but he can be very inconsistent sometimes, and I think he might be potentially leaving in free agency, um, which would be obviously a very bad thing for the Pelicans. But again, if he's going to get a huge contract from someone, you don't want to overpay for a player that doesn't even look like they're very keen on. Another thing that I don't really know about Kisper is... I think on this Pelicans team, he'd actually need to start at shooting guard. But again, he is six foot seven, and he's probably not as fast as most potential shooting guards out there um, from what I've seen. Uh, I just don't know how he would go at that. I think the height would kind of be a little bit of a worry. But you know what? I think if they if they think it can work, you got to go get him because you got to go get some spacing in this starting lineup. And let's just say Lonzo leaves next year, which I feel like he will. I think Nikel Alexander-Walker kind of steps into that starting five. Probably starts at the point guard, I would assume. If not, they probably got, uh, you know, Lewis Jr. who might come into that starting position. But I think it, it probably would be Alexander-Walker. Then you got Kispert next to him. Then you got Ingram. Then you got Zion. And then you got, of course, Stephen Adams. So, again, getting a Kispert finally brings in some much-needed spacing to the team. So, I very much do like that for the New Orleans Pelicans, and that's why I have decided to select him with the 8th overall pick. Now, moving on to pick number 9, this is probably one of my favorite picks 
in the whole draft, if I'm being completely honest. And that's actually the Sacramento Kings selecting Scotty Barnes with the ninth overall pick. You know, again, I think that, yes, you could say they've already got their power forward in Marvin Bagley. But considering he's not really happy with the team, he hasn't done much, looks like he could potentially be leaving a free agency or they could be trading him. It looks like they might need a new power forward. And the type of guy Scotty Barnes is, is absolutely extraordinary. Like, he has so much potential in this draft. The guy that I really like to compare him to is actually Draymond Green. Scotty Barnes is he's definitely a forward, six foot nine. I'd say he's more of a power forward than small forward. But the thing is, he's got that Draymond Green playmaking about him where, again, in college, he only averaged about five assists or so per game. But, again, when you look at some of the factors that might have gotten into that, you know, maybe that wasn't uh, what the scenario was. Like, maybe he could have averaged more. Maybe he could have uh, done a little bit more to get more of his teammates involved. And the actual numbers were 4.1 assists per game. But the thing is, this guy has the ability where a couple of years of experience into this guy, and I could see him being a similar dude to Draymond Green. He is a very, very good defender. He can average 10 points per game, so decent scoring, four rebounds, and can get you 4.1 assists per game, which I think will definitely translate to the NBA and potentially go up. And who knows, a couple seasons in, and he could be averaging like a seven assists. And then, you know, again, he's also got 28% from three, which is not exactly great. Some people might say, well, they've already got De'Aaron Fox, you know, they've already got their number one playmaker, why would they go and get, like, another one? And that's because Scotty Barnes is so much more than that, and you look at Steph Curry and Draymond Green, they work really, really well together, and they've got this whole, you know, they like to do a, a lot of screen plays, etc. Uh, Draymond Green's an incredible playmaker to him. I feel like they could have a similar thing with De'Aaron Fox and Scotty Barnes. And they could also have a thing with when De'Aaron Fox goes for a rest and Scotty Barnes can become the ma- main playmaker. And then when Scotty Barnes goes for a rest, Fox can become the main playmaker. And then we're on, when they're on the court for like the same time and they can try and run plays on how Steph Curry and of course Draymond Green, you know, do it. I believe Luke Walton, who will be guaranteed another season with the Kings for some reason, he actually has had experience with coaching uh, Draymond Green, Steph Curry. I believe he was the assistant coach for Golden State for a little bit. Uh, so again, he, he would know some of the plays. It would be very interesting to see if he could kind of, you know, connect that. And honestly, I believe Barnes could be the sixth best player in this draft. To get him a pick, you know, a nine for the Sacramento Kings, that is it's a pretty good result. And I, I think they would definitely be pretty happy with this one. So I've actually got, yeah, the Sacramento Kings selecting Scotty Barnes with the ninth overall pick. With a 10th overall pick, I have the Orlando Magic, and they've actually got this pick from Chicago revolving in the Nikola Vucevic trade. And with the 10th overall pick, I do have the Orlando Magic selecting Jalen Johnson. I believe Jalen Johnson is best available here, and I know that his season with you know, Duke might not have been exactly great, but I do see a lot of potential in this guy. I do see that he has... Uh, the defensive, you know, capability to be in a right player eventually. You know, 45% from three was really, really good. Uh, I know some people have their worries about that translating to the NBA. Look, if he has a couple bad seasons from shooting from three, I'm sure he'll learn how to, you know, get more consistent with it eventually. He does average 11.2 points per game, 6.1 rebounds. And he can guard, you know, one through three, which seems to be pretty nice as well. I've even seen him just be like a six foot nine shooting guard, which is absolutely crazy. I think he'll be more of a small forward in the NBA, though. 
But I do really like him with the Orlando Magic. I think he would be a really nice guy to come in. You know, he can be best available to come in with their team. You know, they've got enough point guards and shooting guards. Um, wing plays, you could say they've got a couple of them, but considering Otto Porter will most likely be going, you know, in free agency, Gary Harris will probably be getting, you know, traded or limited minutes. I think Jalen Johnson would be a really cool guy to come into this Orlando Magic team and just help out with some more depth. All right, now moving on to the next pick, I actually have the Charlotte Hornets selecting with pick 11, and with pick 11, I do have the Charlotte Hornets selecting Isaiah Jackson. Now, the Charlotte Hornets are in a very weird situation right now where I feel like they desperately need to draft a center in this year's draft. And the weird thing is, though, there aren't exactly too many centers besides, like, Evan Mobley, who will for sure go in, like, the top seven of the draft. So there's no way, really, I think the Hornets can get, you know, a player like Mobley. Other than that, there's not really anyone. I've decided to select Isaiah Jackson here because he is 6'11", and even though he has played quite a bit of power forward, so he hasn't really been, you know, I, I don't believe too much of a center so far, but I think he can definitely develop into that, as I believe not so long ago, I think he was like 6'10". He has grown a little bit. He is 6'11 now. And the thing is, the reason why I like Isaiah Jackson for the Charlotte Hornets is not because of his stats. Like, I mean, his stats aren't exceptional. He's averaging 8.4 points per game and 6.6 .6 rebounds uh, and really 0% from three. But I very, very much do like his defensive ability. He's been known to be a very, very good defender in this draft. A very, very good rim, uh, rim protector and can even go out and sometimes defend, you know, the perimeter, especially against those power forwards that can space the ball. But I think moving forward in the NBA, I think Isaiah Jackson will be moved to the center position, especially if he measures at six foot eleven uh, when he does get drafted. I also do believe again he would add that much needed interior defense, which the Charlotte Hornets really lack of. Like they don't have any interior defense at all. So I do think you know selecting. Uh, Isaiah to help out with LaMelo Ball is is the right choice. I think that's kind of where you go. And then I think you probably go and, you know, draft it or go and sign, rather, an actual capable defensive center and then maybe bring Jackson off the bench in his first season. So that's what I do have. I have pick 11. The Charlotte Hornets will be selecting Isaiah Jackson. Now, with a pick number 12, the San Antonio Spurs are also in a weird situation. But I actually have them selecting Josh Giddy which I really, really like as a pick. Now, Josh Giddy is actually from Australia. He played in the NBL. And if that sounds familiar to you, and that's because a lot of players in the NBA are now actually coming from the NBL. We saw LaMelo Ball go down there, play in the NBL. He became so much of a better player. We saw RJ Hampton go down there. He played for the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, he was a much better player as well. LaMelo played for Illawarra. Uh, and now we've got Mojave King, who's supposed to be getting drafted in this draft. He's from uh, New Zealand. I believe he's playing for the Cairns Titans, which is in Queensland, Australia. And then now we've got Josh Giddy, who is coming from, uh, you know, the Adelaide 36ers, which, of course, is in South Australia. So he is very much like LaMelo Ball. I mean, he is a very, very similar player. He's a very tall point guard coming into this draft that actually has some really, really decent stats like... This guy will be a steal, whoever gets him, because he is averaging 11 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, and 7.5 uh, assists as well. 
on about 32 minutes. And you might be like, well, that is pretty good stats. Like, he is averaging, averaging a triple-double. But that's, you know, well, nearly averaging, rather, a triple-double. But that's probably not, you know, necessarily means he's going to be a steal, right? And I disagree, because if we look at RJ Hampton's stats in the NBL, they weren't, like, terrific. RJ Hampton was just an average role player on his New Zealand Breakers teams. They weren't exceptional stats, and he still managed to go in the first round to the Orlando Magic, and he's actually had a very underrated, or to the uh, uh, Denver Nuggets, rather, and he's actually had an underrated season since getting drafted the Magic, where he has improved so much. And again, a lot of people see that he could actually potentially be a really nice starting player, and his stats weren't exactly that great. And then you look at Josh Giddy, who's one of the best players on his team, averaging these stats, which is just a little bit worse than what LaMelo Ball did when he played in Australia, I think Josh Giddy is going to be an absolute freak. He will be insane. And I think if you're a Spurs fan, you're getting an absolute great player here with the 12th overall pick. I think it's really cool because I think, you know, DeRozan will probably be leaving in free agency. There's rumors that Paddy Mills uh, will either be leaving in free agency or he'll be taking a little bit of a step back next season, might not be playing as many minutes. Someone, there were some even rumours that he could be going and playing in the NBL, because if you didn't know, he's from Australia. But who really knows what's going to happen? Um, I, I think it would be really, really interesting to select Josh Giddy, start him at point guard, and then you'd probably, you know, still roll with Murray at shooting guard, and you just maybe share the ball between them. Both of them are very, very capable defenders as well. So it would be very, very interesting to see how that could all potentially go. And yeah, Josh Giddy, I'm telling you right now, if he falls past fi pick 15, he could be one of the biggest steals in the draft. I think he's probably worth about pick 12, and I believe the San Antonio Spurs should be selecting him at that pick 12 position. Now, moving on to pick 13, I have the Indiana Pacers, and with the 13th overall pick, I'll actually have the Indiana Pacers selecting Franz Wagner, who is a small forward out of uh, Michigan, I do believe. He is also a very, very interesting player uh, and kind of fills in that lackluster small forward position that the Pacers don't really have. You know, TJ Warren, who's probably their, almost their best player with Sabonis, of course, he's missed, you know, a lot of the season, didn't get to play with them to lead him to the playoffs. There is a huge rumor that TJ actually wants out, which would be a very, very bad thing for the Indiana Pacers, but whether or not TJ Warren comes back or not, I still think they should go with Franz Wagner at this small four position, and he kind of just fits that Indiana Pacers mold, you know, like, he's averaging 12.5 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, and three assists, some decent stats, 34% from three, does look like he'll eventually grow to be a capable shooter, after he actually averaged 31% his last season in college, before the 31, 34% uh, season. But the thing is, he's a very, very good defender. He can, he's a capable interior defender. He's a capable uh, perimeter defender. He's just a little bit inconsistent on this scoring and whatnot. But he kind of fits that Pacers mold of being a really, really nice defender that they've kind of had for, you know, a long time. And I think he would be a great replacement for TJ Warren if Warren was to leave. I don't know if he'd start in his first season. Uh, there's a rumor that if Warren leaves, um, the Pacers would be willing to blow it up. I'm not too sure if they should blow it up because they've got Karis LeVert, you know, who's still there. He's a nice player. I think they'll keep, you know, Brogdon's still there. They might trade him. There's a rumor TJ would like to stay with the Pacers, but I also feel like a team like the Trailblazers will be trying to get him. Uh, there's a rumor Miles uh, Turner will get traded. Jeremy Lamb might get traded. Pretty much the only player safe is like DeMontis Sabonis. So 
if you want to start off fresh, I feel like Fran, uh, you know, Franz Wagner is a cool small forward to kind of bring in on this team. And who knows, he might eventually develop that three-point shooting. But of course, I still think re-signing TJ Warren should be a po- should be you know a priority, even if they are thinking of blowing it up. But yeah, for some reason, I have a feeling Warren could be one of the shock leaves in free agency. Who he'll go to, I'm not exactly too sure. You know, as a Cavs fan, I would kind of like to see us, you know, give him a contract because I think he kind of fit in perfect, bring that nice spacing. So I'd very much like to see him come to the team. But hey, a boy can dream, right? <laughs> but moving on to the 14th pick now, we do have the Memphis Grizzlies, who I actually have them selecting Trey Mann, uh, who is six foot five. He is a guard. Uh, he has some nice playmaking here and there. Seems to be an average defender. He's just, you know, kind of average at everything. He seems like one of those guys that will be a very, very long-term development player. Like, I mean, he, his scoring is pretty good, though. 16 points per game. That is really, really nice. He has played two seasons in college. 40% from three is also really nice, but a 45% field goal is pretty average. But I definitely feel like, he has potential. I'm not too sure if that three-point percentage will translate to the NBA and that 3.5 assists as well. But I do see some potential in playmaking. I think that if he can get that three-point percentage to translate to the NBA, it'd be all right. The scoring maybe as well. But again, Memphis Grizzlies, considering they've got, you know, Trey Jones, who uh, might get a bigger offer by a different team. Um, They might even just look to maybe not bring him back. I think they'll be looking maybe for another backup guard uh, I do really think, though, that uh, getting a backup guard like Trey Mann would actually be pretty cool because he does add some nice defense, which is that grit and grind Memphis way, I suppose. And he's a pretty decent shooter as well. He's just got to develop that playmaking. But who knows, if you get him to be a nice defender, you know, consistently, get him to guard that shooting guard position. I think it'd actually be a pretty fun experiment to see if, he, you know, Trey Mann would be cool with the with the Grizzlies. I feel like he might even be best available on this board as well. I think he probably is. I struggled to find who the Grizzlies should select at 14 because they're actually in a pretty cool spot and I feel like uh, they they really need to go out and get a star. I don't know who it's going to be, but a star for this team would help out Ja Morant and Jonas Valanciunas and Jan Jackson so much. Who that star would be, who knows, a T, even a TJ Warren. Like, that's another player, you know, that I mentioned just earlier, TJ Warren, who I think might, he could potentially leave the Spurs, who really knows he would be a very cool play to get on this Grizzlies team. Like, that would be a big three. J.J. Warren, John Morant, and, you know, uh, Jaron Jackson with some incredible role plays like, you know, Dylan Brooks and Jonas Valanciunas. So who even really knows? But, of course, I'd very much like to hear all of your thoughts and opinions on this down below. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel for all the latest NBA content and NBA news. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to uh, my sports channel, you know, and my, well, this is our channel, obviously, and my IRL slash vlogging channel, and my gaming channel, which I'll link in the description down below. Don't forget to check out my podcast as well. If you haven't already, links for them will all be in the description down below. But as I was saying, thank you guys so much for watching this video. Make sure to leave a like, subscribe, and comment, and I'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.